Hello and welcome to our podcast, Hashtag Divorce, with Audrey Zetoun, divorce coach based in London, and myself, Sarah-Jane Taster, French family lawyer practicing in international law in England and Hong Kong. In our podcast, Hashtag Divorce, we will be bringing you hope, positivity, as well as practical information about divorce and well-being, food for thoughts, and hopefully, support to help you move forward at each and every step of the divorce process. If you would like to know more about what we do when we're not doing this podcast, you can go to our websites, pasterfamilylaw.co.uk and audreyzcoaching.com. Back to today's topic. Today's topic is about finding love again and remarrying. We are lucky to have two experts to talk about the subject in this episode. Audrey, our divorce coach, will be answering my questions on how to rebuild your life in order to be in the right state of mind to find true love again. And today, our special guest is Amy Pan, who, alongside being an in-house corporate solicitor, is a marriage celebrate in Hong Kong. Amy will be discussing her work as a marriage celebrant and how special it is to be celebrating second or third time marriages. We decided on the topic of this episode to step away from the trauma of divorce by discussing happy events and give hope to those who need it. We want to help those who are going through a difficult phase to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Amy is going to share with us her experience of celebrating second or third marriages But let's turn first to Audrey, our divorce coach, in order to know more about the rebuilding process, which may lead to finding love again. What should we do or what do we need to avoid? So Audrey, are there steps or is there a process to go through to find true love again? Hello, Sarah Jane, and hello, Amy. Welcome to to the podcast. Uh, well, yes, there are there are some steps, and um, I'm happy to to talk to you about some of them today. The steps to find love after divorce, is from a coaching point of view. Uh, I'm sure sometimes we all dab, you know, going through a divorce. Did it ever happen again? You 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 think you'll never find love? It seems really impossible to you. But really, we all need to feel loved and to be unconditionally accepted, you know, and appreciated for who we are. And and Amy here is is here to show us that it is possible to 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 do that. And so I say one of the first steps really is to regain confidence and self esteem. Imagine being yourself. If you feel confident, you'll have no fear of being rejected, no fear of people's opinion and judgment. You can be aware of your worth, you know your values, and be this serene and fulfilled person again. And that would be really the first step: the confidence and self esteem. That would be one of the first step. What is the next step? <laughs> well, first to do that, you have to. It's important to heal yourself from your past wounds, uh, accepting, you know, your share of responsibility in the failed marriage, uh, and also not repeating the same mistakes or, or pattern, you know, and choose the wrong person again. I feel like it's something really important because we could tend to jump into another relationship really quickly before healing and before grieving and and recovering, and then it could be another failed marriage. So you, you what you want is really to find the right person. 
So it's about knowing yourself, your values, uh, what do you want to compromise on or not, understand your expectations, your wants, your needs, and be able to express them freely and confidently. So once you have healed, <laughs> what do you do? Yes. So another, another key thing I find is about communication. Maybe in your past marriage, you had a destructive communication pattern, which often led to arguments with your ex, criticism or blames. And now if you're aware of this, you know, with the work of, of a coach, for example, you can choose with awareness how to respond, how to react to a situation and express yourself, express your needs, your feelings in a much better way to people around you. And of course, in an intimate relationship. Of course, that will help, you know, create a more balanced relationship and avoid uh, argument in the next one. So it's all about taking back control of your life, isn't it? Being confident, knowing how to express yourself and not feeling needy about finding someone. It's about being that person that is totally aware and, and happy. And then finding the new person is like the cherry on the cake. It would be more like this. So it's about making choices with full awareness. And when you choose the next person, you will know that uh, the person is the right one. You will know straight away. So, Audrey, I, you know, you, you're a divorce coach. You've um, worked with a lot of people to help them uh, rebuild their life. Can you tell us if we can really succeed in rebuilding ourselves? <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, it, it takes time. I'm not going to lie to you. If you come from a very low place, you know, it could take a full year to recover. For a divorce, it's a big trauma. So I would say don't rush into things, just be patient and go through all the steps. But it is possible. I do this every day with my clients. And then when you'll be ready, when you'll be at that stage, you will attract a person that is also healed from her past wounds. So you won't be dependent on this new love and they won't be dependent on you. You can both be yourself. And I think that's the beauty of the freedom, you know, is be yourself in a relationship and be fulfilled. So yes, it is possible, but be patient to do the work. And I mean, it took me a long time myself um, after my divorce. And now that I've been through it and, you know, I can maybe help people in a shorter way, but it still takes time to be aware of your disruptive pattern, to build confidence, recover from your wounds, and finally rebuild a life that you love and find love and true love. Yes. So it is hopeful, but I know it's true and it's possible. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, we have, from your point of view, Audrey, the professional and personal experience that you can uh, rebuild yourself and find true love. Thank you. So now that we know about how we can rebuild our lives, let's turn to Amy. <laughs> Welcome, Amy, to this podcast. So, Amy, you are a marriage celebrant in Hong Kong. And although you are only licensed to marry couples in Hong Kong, we thought that it would be interesting to discuss with you what you do since Hong Kong is such an international city with lots of expats and visitors. This means that a French or English couple could decide to come to Hong Kong to marry. There is no condition of residence to get married in Hong Kong and the marriage would be valid abroad. So welcome, Amy. Um, to start with, can you describe uh, what you do in a few words? Sure. And uh, 
first, uh, thank you so much for inviting me to join this podcast. I'm very happy to have the chance to share with everyone the more positive aspects of a divorce. So my work as a civil celebrant, maybe just to give a bit of background to people who might not be familiar with Hong Kong. So in Hong Kong, couples, uh, apart from choosing to get married in a regist uh, registry or in a church, they can choose to do it with a celebrant. <laughs> And most people choose to do it because of the flexibility that you can get in terms of timing and in terms of location. And the services that I provide, in addition to, of course, uh, making sure that all the legal aspects are being taken care of, is that I also offer to personalize the ceremony. So I will choose to spend time to get to know the couple and then I can share their story in my own words uh, at the ceremony, which is something that a lot of couples actually enjoy and the guests uh, really enjoy it too. In Hong Kong being a very international city, I also offer to do it uh, bilingually or even trilingually. Unfortunately, I don't speak French, but I offer to do it in English, uh, Cantonese, which is the main language in Hong Kong and also in Mandarin. And that is very popular with a lot of the international couples that I work with and also with the guests who could be people coming from all over the world or these days uh, watching on Zoom as well. The last uh, aspect, which I think is uh, special and I believe unique in the market that I provide is I offer to donate a part of my fees in the couple's name to a charity that they choose. So um, just, you know, a little something to add an extra level of meaning to their ceremony. I love this last part. I think it's so lovely um, to be able to share your happiness <laughs> with a charity. It's a way to put it. So I think it's really interesting what you do marrying people because we don't have this in France and we really used to it's not very romantic when you think about it in France because you have to go to civil registry to get married before you can do anything else. So the idea of a marriage celebrant is, is really great for me. So how do people find you and work with you? What is the process to choose a marriage celebrant? For me, it's actually a mix. So I am lucky to get a lot of referrals from my past clients and also sometimes from the guests who attended their ceremonies and also from uh, wedding vendors that I've worked with, for example, photographers or makeup artists who, you know, are at the ceremony and have seen, you know, the way that I conduct ceremonies. I also have a website and an Instagram account. So some people find me online through those channels. And I've done some interviews before as well. And also, um, you know, people will look at those interviews and think, oh, you know, or some articles that um, featured me. And so once they get to know about, you know, the special things that I can offer, they will reach out to me. And I always think it's important for me not just to say, okay, I am free that day. I'll take on the work. I actually want to meet the couple so they can get to know me and see if I'm actually the person um, they would feel um, would be suitable, you know, for them. So I usually, especially these days, I'll organize a, a Zoom chat. So it's um, easier than if they're free, we can meet up in person. But 
these days people feel that it's easier to meet online. So I spend time to let them have a chance to share with me what they're looking for because people, some people might want something simpler and some people might want something more elaborate. And I also get a chance to share the whole process with them. So we actually get to know a little bit about each other before um, they make a decision. So then you can have a bespoke ceremony with really, you know, uh, exactly what the people want when they get married. So are there any challenges to your work? Because everything seems, you know, very easy. I really love my work. I think it's something that it creates joy, you know, for the couple, uh, for the guests, and also for myself when I can see that, you know, they're happy with the way that we're trying to personalize and conduct the ceremony. I would say for me, actually, the biggest challenge is uh, timing, because as you know, weddings are mostly on weekends or, or other holidays. And because uh, what I do is not just to you know say the things that you have to say legally, but also to spend extra time and effort to prepare a personalized wedding, to conduct it, it will be longer than you know a, a usual uh, legal ceremony. So all that takes time. And I think my situation is because I have a family, I have two young kids. So to balance, you know, between that and also spending weekends on weddings is something that I'm still trying to um, strike a good balance. <laughs> Sometimes it might mean I cannot take up uh, too much work, but uh, I hope I can um, find that perfect balance And sometimes I wish I had started this career earlier <laughs> before I had children. But anyway, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I, I'm very lucky that my family supports what I do as well. Yes, <laughs> you're touching another subject that we deal with a lot, you know, the, <laughs> the, the balance between um, work and personal life and the mother's guilt. But that's another <laughs> subject altogether. It's funny when you talk about timing, it just reminds me of how it happens in France when you have slots of 15 minutes at the town hall. And I remember my wedding, one of my witnesses was late. So it was so stressful <laughs> to be able, you know, to conduct the ceremony in time. So that's, that's something with you that we wouldn't have if we got married with you. You would, you know. <laughs> time um, to marry people in peace. <laughs> um, There delays at weddings and it happens, you know, very often. That's why I actually try to space out uh, my wedding. So there are some of the celebrants who might want to take up more within one day, but I always want to make sure we have enough buffer time for traffic, for delays. And, you know, sometimes People don't want to start late, but, you know, it just happens. So I wanted to make sure I don't need to rush to a second wedding right away. So, you know, they should really not feel stressed and be able to enjoy the whole ceremony. I remember going to a wedding in, um, in Hong Kong with a marriage celebrant. And we had, you know, the, 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 the ceremony was an hour and a half late, which would never happen in France. <laughs> <laughs> But it was due to traffic because Hong Kong is yeah. terrible with traffic. So with regards to today's topic more specifically and finding love again, 
I know that you celebrate, we've discussed it um, whilst preparing this, this episode, you celebrate second and third time marriages. Is there a common background to a person remarrying, a common story? Um, I would say uh, a lot of them are quite different. So they you know, have a second or third marriage for different reasons. Some of them, maybe they got married too young. And then as they got older, they realized, you know, what they want is not quite the same thing. Or for some of the couples, maybe they haven't actually had a very thorough discussion about, you know, how they want to continue their lives. They have different views on whether to have children or not, or how many children to have, or financially how they're going to arrange things. So there are different reasons, but I would say I think there's one thing that is common among all of them, which is they still believe in love. And that's why they're willing to take this step to have a second or, or third marriage. You know, as Audrey said, it's, it's not easy at all. You know, the whole recovery process and trying to, you know, um, take that step again to commit to be with someone else. So... But I'm very happy to see that they still have that belief in love and they think that this next time would work. I love that. Yes, a nice comment. <laughs> it's very important indeed to believe in it. So can, can you tell when, when you see true love a second time around? Yeah, I think so. I mean, sometimes I, you know, during the ceremony or, or during our rehearsals as well, or even, you know, when, when we have our meetings, right? Like the way they look at each other, it's like you, you can feel that love, you can see it. And also the gratitude that they show, um, how lucky they feel that they are able to find someone else, you know, who could be the one. It's very touching when you see that. And also because I always encourage my couples to write their own vows. So legally you have to say one sentence, but I always stress that it's very important for them to, you know, say something that is specific to them. I, I do offer some guidance for those who might not have any idea where to start, but I see with uh, people getting married the second time or even the third time, they write some of the most amazing vows. And you can tell that, you know, maybe because of everything that they've gone through, it's, it's really, really nice to see that. And I, I do believe that they, you know, truly believe in everything that they've written and, and shared with their behalf. I'm getting all emotional listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can really feel the love when you're talking about it. So how is the state of mind of a person committing for a second time do, do they share anything with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky that uh, my couples, I think it's because they know that I offer to personalize the ceremony and to share their story. And that's why they are willing to share it with me. So I usually, I have kind of a list of questions for them. And then we go through that. They would tell me everything from how they met all the way to how, um, what the proposal was like and all the ups and downs in between because I don't just ask for all the happy things. I also ask about, you know, any obstacles that they might have gone through together and how did they overcome it? How did the other person, after coming into their lives, 
you know, make them a, a better person. So we talk a lot about all that. And I think it's, it's very good that they are very willing to share that with me. And I'm actually quite surprised, but pleasantly surprised that they were not as hesitant as I thought in committing to a new relationship and, you know, eventually marriage. Because as we discussed before, it's not an easy process after a divorce. But a lot of them shared with me that it's exactly because they have been in a relationship that didn't work when they met the person who it's suitable for them, compatible with them. They, it's like suddenly, ding, you know, they realize, you know, this is the one. And they realize that because they are happier, they feel very natural. And even sometimes people around them, their friends realize, wow, you, you've become so much happier. You know, it must be because of this relationship that um, created this positive change. So, yeah, it's always very nice to see that. So love wins it all. Is that what you see in the second marriage? Yes, definitely. I think it's so lovely to see this hope for new beginnings, for better futures. And, you know, so many of the couples I've married have, have shown us that. So I would say, you know, to everyone who has gone through a divorce and maybe is not sure whether what would happen in the future, just don't give up. There have been so many successful and happy examples. And um, I wish all of them the best of luck. Well, this is a very hopeful message. Before we wrap up, um, Amy, can you give us an example of places that you've married people, some amazing places that, you know, amazing experience when marrying people? Sure. Um, there have been many. So uh, I would say in Hong Kong, generally, a lot of people do it at hotels. But recently, because, you know, of everything that's been happening, a lot of people are having more intimate weddings. And um, I would say there are two, I guess, venues, which I think are very special. So one was actually a boat wedding. So the couple, actually, they live on a boat themselves. And they thought it would be special to do it on a boat, even though it wasn't their own boat. And it was, I think, the first time for some of the guests to experience a wedding on the boat. And I just thought, you know, we were very lucky with the weather as well. So it was really an amazing day. And obviously it meant, you know, something very special to them, being a couple who actually live on a boat on a day-to-day -day basis. Another one which is very memorable and which a lot of my clients, when they found out that I, I did that, they were very uh, intrigued as well, is uh, we actually did it on a mountaintop. So... This is a couple who were planning a wedding overseas, but they could not do that due to travel restrictions. So they decided to do it in Hong Kong and they decided to do it at the top of a mountain. So it involved a 30 minute hike uphill and you know, with all the documents out to carry, um, they were okay for me to wear my hiking shoes that time. So that was great. But when we got up there, it was just, you know, amazing. And it was totally worth it. And of course, you know, the pictures and the videos, they were like brilliant. And I'm happy that, you know, we could provide something that is as close to what, you know, they were expecting back home, especially during these times. So, yeah, I would say those two are 
the more special ones. <laughs> I love I love those stories. I really do. So thank you both for this uplifting discussion. I actually feel like renewing my vows after listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does seem that in order to find true love again, the key is to be able to change your mindset and recover. The message from today's episode is, it is possible to find true love again after a divorce, but you have to bear in mind that the key to finding true love again is wanting to change and not repeat the same mistakes or pattern. So thank you very much to both of you. Thank you for our audience, for listening to us. If you want to know more about what Amy does, you can find her on Instagram, on her website, and that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah Jane. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you have found this podcast useful, please share, like, and comment hashtag divorce and help spread the information around you if you think it may be useful to others. If you would like us to deal with one issue in particular, or if you would like to participate to our podcast, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram by searching Audrey Zetun or Sarah Jane Taster. It would be great to hear from you. See you soon for another episode of Hashtag Divorce.